Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. Welcome to church. How y'all doing? Good. I always love preaching to the front row. They're so awesome. Hey, welcome to 214. If you're new here, we're glad that you're here. Um, We're excited to experience Jesus with you. We hope that you feel the sense of family that is here. Um, A lot of us are family. Some of us are family by adoption, but we are all part of this amazing family that Jesus has called us to. And we're going to talk today a little bit about the family of Jesus and what that looks like for for you and for me. Um, We're in this series called Influence. And my incredible brother-in-law, Chris, kicked us off last Sunday. And if you missed that, please catch the, co- the podcast. It was incredible. Um, I'm going to re-listen to it this week because it had so much content that was for each one of us to transform our lives. So um, I'm excited today to bring you the thoughts that I feel God has put on my life uh, in regard to this series, Influence. Um, But before we jump into that, I need to know, just a show of hands, who here is on Instagram? Most of the church. I thought it was going to be the entire church except Rob Craig, but um, Rob's still the holdout on Instagram. So you guys probably know then that there is this term in society called a social media influencer, yeah? You guys know this? Right. Okay. So this term social media influencer, it's not just this trendy term right now, but it's actually the leading marketing strategy for the biggest corporations in the world. They are going to social media influencers to promote their products. And when you search the term social media influencer, here is what Google states. It is a user on social media who has established credibility in a specific industry. A social media influencer has access to a large audience and can persuade others by virtue of their authenticity and reach. So social media influencer is now one of the most sought after jobs in culture today and one of the most high pay jobs available. Isn't that crazy? So you can sit in your pajamas on your couch and be world famous because you're an influencer. And There are parents whose full-time job is to create content of their kids doing all manner of crazy things to promote products for companies. Now, there's this one little boy. My kids know him by his first name. His name is Ryan, and he's seven years old, and you would maybe know him because of Ryan's toy reviews. So he and his mama started a YouTube channel when he was a little boy, and it revolved around him buying a toy and opening it on camera. That's the entire story. That's all of the content. And children love it. They eat it up. Ryan has 20 million followers. He's seven years old. Target and Walmart and Amazon and all of the big big business are partnering with Ryan to influence the sale of their product. He has made $22 million opening toys in front of a camera. Hey, leadership team, I think we're in the wrong business of leading a church. No, we're in the right business. But Ryan's mom has created this massive following, 
And it's under the label that she's just this ordinary mom watching her kid open toys. And people are eating it up. Seven years old, he's one of the most famous influencers in the world on YouTube. We were walking through Target the other day, and Collins, my three-year-old, was walking, and she stopped, and she goes, Mom, there's Ryan. A box of Ryan's toys sitting on the shelf. Unbelievable. But see, ordinary people living their lives as an influencer is good for business because it draws the trust of people as they go, hey, we've already vetted this product. We know that it's good. So today when we hear the term social media influencer, um, we probably we probably think of someone on our feed that we follow. And let me see a show of hands. Has anyone ever bought something off of Instagram or social media because someone on your feed said you should buy it? I have a pair of jeans, and they fit really poorly, and I can't return them. But they looked so cute on her. But she was like 5'6", and I'm 5'10", and so that, you know, just didn't. Anyway, their job is to influence how you spend your money because of their following, because of their influence. Today's message title is, Your Ordinary Life is Your Greatest Influence. Have you guys ever felt like there is a theme over your life? Like maybe it's unspoken, but it's just loud and it's clear and it comes up over and over again. Anyone? No. Okay, just me, Heather. Heather and myself. Okay, we're in the cloud, so we both have a theme. Um, my theme is incredible. You guys, you ready for this? Ordinary. My theme has been ordinary. And you might be sitting there and you might think, whatever. But no, my life is so ordinary that I am 9,400 followers away from swipe up status. And I don't keep track of this. I do not have a chart that I keep track of. I had to look for the sake of this message. But there have been no companies coming to me asking me to be a social media influencer because I have not enough following. I don't have enough people on my social media feed for me to be valuable to them. And I actually am really okay with that because I put zero effort into building my social media following. Um, see, I don't care who's following my social media life. I just really care who's following my real life as I follow Jesus. Now, before you get all your panties in a bundle, and this is, this is not a hate message against social media. I actually am a fan of social media. I think that it is um, really beneficial in the right context. I think that it is one of the most advanced of sharing the gospel today, and I think that's incredible. There's people like Chris who put this incredible content out there that when it pops up on your feed, you're like, this is going to be good. I need to pause and I need to notice this because I know this is going to be good. But I have seen it create a spirit of discontentment in the lives of people who otherwise should be so content, so happy with the things God has given them. Now, most of us aren't social media influencers. Is anyone in here a social media influencer? Anyone? Kip. You're my social media influencer. Hey, I just want to encourage us. None of us are social media influencers. We are so far from swipe up status. But don't let a spirit of discontentment make you discontent in your ordinary life. Because Jesus has such great purpose for you. Now, um, 
you might have a small handful of followers. You might have the uh, very small reach of a few people that follow you. Or you might just have your children that follow you. You might have one neighbor who you're called to mentor and disciple. And I want you to know that even though according to the world, you're so far from swipe up status, that that one neighbor, those few children, those few followers, that might change the world for that person because of the life you're living, because of your ordinary life. And that's enough. See, I see my ordinary life as a wife, as a mom, as a church leader um, in a really positive light. I actually really love going to the grocery store and not being known. I really like going out to dinner and, and not being recognized. I think it's awesome. And um, my ordinary life right here in Peoria, Illinois, I was born here. I was raised here. I have stayed here. And it has been the most ordinary life, but God has given me such great influence in my everyday life. And I really hope to inspire you today to see that God wants to use your ordinary life in your setting to influence people as well. So um, I have an extreme lack of worldly success, according to the world anyway, and it has been my proof that God has worked. I'm going to explain this to you. Um, I have an incredible life, and I love, my, I love my, my life. I love my husband and my kids. This church, guys, I would die for this church, and I know our team would too, because you guys are incredible. Even though you're not swipe up status, you're incredible. I think you're amazing. Um, but everything that has been successful in my life has just been like, this has got to be God. Now, during this message, I'm going to let you borrow my theme of my life, and I want you all to just see your lives in a really ordinary light. Maybe you already do. Okay, maybe that's not a stretch for you. That's not hard for you. But we're going to look at some really ordinary people in Scripture because I want to inspire you that your ordinary life, when it's partnered with God's purpose and His will, it is the single most powerful influence for others. I know this from personal experience. Do you guys know that God always partners with humans to do his greatest works? I love this. Becca didn't know what I was going to preach on, and in the circle down here before the, um, the worship service started, she basically preached my message. And I just thought it was so cool how God weaves those details into our lives. Um, so God partners with humans to do his greatest works. Uh, in Genesis, he creates Adam, and then the birthplace of the partnership between God and humans begins when they create Eve. And it goes on from there where God is accomplishing his, his most incredible goals through the human partnership. Now, if you've got your Bibles on your phone or your actual Bible, turn um, to Matthew 4. This story speaks of the partnership and the influence over a group of really ordinary young guys, some of them who were just kids who changed the world forever. And guys, this is such a predictable story about people of influence, but for whatever reason, this is the one God pointed out to me, and so this is where we're going to land. So Matthew 4, starting in 18, it says, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they were fishing for a living. Jesus called out to them, Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. A little further up the shore, he saw two brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called to them, 
to come to. They immediately followed him, leaving the boat and their father behind. So these four ordinary guys that Jesus calls to. Now, two of these guys had previously been disciples of John the Baptist. So they had walked in John's ministry with him. And a year previous, they had seen John baptize Jesus. They see the Spirit of God descend on Jesus, and their lives are radically changed. They have faith in Jesus. They believe in Jesus. So Jesus shows up on the scene, and he says, hey, guys, come follow me. What an incredible honor for them to be called by Jesus to follow. But then there's these um, other two guys, and these two guys are the ones I can relate to 100%. Now, other than the fact that I don't fish, and when I do, I name my leeches and my minnows, and I apologize to them before I cast them into the water. And I'm not a guy, but otherwise, 100%, we are the same. For 20 years, God has given me these various platforms to communicate God's word that I am unqualified for in the world's eyes according to education standards. But he keeps saying, hey, Heidi, come, follow me. And when I read this story, I'm like, this is my life. This is my life. See, if you are um, looking just at the world standards, I don't have the credentials to even be preaching on this stage. Now, I'm going to fill you in a little bit. Mom's not here today. She's traveling, but she's going to love this. So I was home educated from preschool through high school. I know, gasp, right? And it's, I'm 36, so this is before it was cool. It's a little bit cool now. It was not cool when I was little. Like, I think we were the only ones in Morton who homeschooled, maybe one other family. But it gets worse. I did not go to college either. I know, gasp. Some of you are thinking, they let anyone preach here, don't they? It's okay. Come up to me afterwards. I can give you a list of qualified pastors in the area. You're going to love them. Um, So if you're a PhD in the room, catch your breath. It gets a lot worse. Okay? We were a part of this education program called the Advanced Training Institute International, ATI for short, which is a really fancy way of saying, yes, I'm homeschooled. And... um, we, uh, we did complete all of our high school requirements. However, the degree that they gave us was not recognized as an official high school diploma by the state of Illinois, the Board of Education. And so one day I was asked to travel to Europe to lead a group of students into the public schools to preach the gospel, which is incredible that they get to do that over there. But you had to be a high school graduate. And I did not have the proof, according to the state, that I had graduated. So I, in a hurry, needed to get proof that I had my requirements met. And so um, I'm going to show you my really super special accredited high school diploma. Guys, watch out. This is where ordinary comes in. This is my GED. Anyone else have a GED? See, I told you I have the most ordinary life in the room. I'm the only one. I feel special. Just nudge the person right next to you. Say, stop scrolling. This girl's got her GED. This is going to be good. Y'all are quiet. Some of you are feeling real ordinary, aren't you? I bet some of you are feeling a little bit of pride about your real shiny high school diploma, aren't you? You're thinking, I'm special. Hey, Kip, was it a lifelong dream of yours to marry a girl with a GED? Yeah, you're like, this girl is special. Let's lock this down. 
So here's the truth. I actually wanted to go to college. I wanted to pursue the medical field because I was really intrigued by it. Um, but my parents asked me not to go to college because they felt strongly that my life calling revolved around me being a wife and a mom and influencing the circle around me and not paying to go to college. I know, can you even fathom? And for a hot second, I was really mad at them, like hot smoking mad at them. And I'm thankful I just grew up. I got past the age of 25 where I realized my parents knew a lot about a lot. And I actually didn't need all the education that I thought I needed. But see, here's the thing. I was already really set apart from all the other cool kids in Morton because um, me not go going to college just made my already very ordinary life, homeschool kid with six siblings. We lived not in Morton, outside of Morton, in the country closer to Groveland. So already super set apart. Me not going to college. Did I mention I wasn't allowed to date? Yeah, I was that girl that was so ordinary that God is like, hey, I'm gonna set you so far apart that when I accomplish something through you, everyone's gonna go, man, this is Jesus because she is not accredited or credentialed to do the things that she is doing. And I actually really like it that way. You know what's funny though? This is funny. If I ever am in a conversation with adults that I don't know, this happens all the time. Inevitably, it leads to what do you do? Where did you go to school? What did you major in? What are your credentials? And I get to tell them that I was homeschooled and I didn't go to college. And the look on their face is like a mix between horror and extreme discomfort. They don't know what to do. Kind of, most of you are looking at me like that right now, except Chris and Heather, because they were homeschooled, so they get it. But they just like shift their body weight away really awkwardly and start asking the next person about their college degree. And then they're relieved when they find out that they went to college and they're super normal. If I ever want to get out of a conversation with someone who is just crazy, I don't preach the gospel. I just tell them that I was homeschooled. It works every time. People hightail it. GEDs can take you places, guys, right out of conversations. Babe, you should have a GED. It gets you out of all sorts of conversations. So I'm this ordinary girl with a GED who preaches the gospel, which is why I feel like I can relate to these two guys, these ordinary guys. And so we're going to jump back to Matthew 4. See, it's important for you to know what's happening culturally in this passage in order for this to all make sense. Because at a glance, it sort of looks like it's a dad's take your kids to work day and Ozeb is taking his boys out fishing for the day and he's going to come home for dinner and he's going to have to tell his wife that he let his boys walk off with some strange man in a robe. We all know daddy Zeb's going to be sleeping in the fishing boat that night, right? Yeah, not cool Zeb, not cool. But in Jewish culture, young boys, the whole goal was education. The whole goal was becoming somebody that the most important people would recognize, and those were the rabbis. So Jewish young boys would study the Torah. They would study Jewish culture. They would learn everything there was to know about being a leader in the Jewish society. And then if they were the brightest and the smartest in the schools, the rabbis would choose them to follow them. And they would pour everything they knew into them and they would apprentice under them, and they would live their lives with them as they followed the rabbi to then someday become a rabbi themselves. 
So you see young guys out fishing with their dad were the guys that were not just picked last, that were not just ordinary. They were the unchosen. They were the guys that did not make the education cut. And the fact that dad was a fisherman by trade, that meant that he too was the unchosen. He too was the generation of the unchosen. So we have this generation of the unchosen leading a generation of the unchosen. So this rabbi Jesus shows up on the scene and he calls to them. He calls to the unchosen, the ones without the shiny high school diplomas, the ones that society thought were nobodies or not qualified. See, it wouldn't have been crazy for them to follow him. It would have been crazy for them not to follow him because they finally made the cut. So as I was studying for this message, I thought, you know, I wonder when they were first called, was their motivation for following Jesus like, God, we just want to make your name great? Or did they think, this is going to redeem my name? This is going to make me somebody. This is going to make me seem successful. It would maybe cancel out their unchosen status or cause culture to start valuing them. They would fit in finally. They might reach swipe up status. They would become influencers. And then for dad, for Zebedee, his sons were finally chosen. And this was a huge promotion for him. See, he would no longer just be Zebedee the fisherman who was unchosen, raising sons who were unchosen. He would be an insta-famous father of sons, James and John, followers of the rabbi. So this brought a lot of status for him as well. This changed everything for their family. They were no longer just ordinary guys. They were following a rabbi. But see, I think Jesus saw something in Zebedee's sons that he really needed to partner with in order to accomplish his goals on this earth. And I think it was just ordinary, humble lives that were willing to follow. So regardless of what their initial motivation was, even if it was to build their name, I think that Jesus coming into their life forever altered the people that they were able to then impact and influence. See, they had to leave dad. They had to let him clean up the stinky fish boat all alone for the sake of following Jesus. This was their family trade. They probably needed their hands on deck to help with the family trade. But they knew this call was greater. This call was more important. And so those unqualified, unchosen sons of an unchosen father those guys became the greatest influencers the world has ever known next to Jesus. And by following Jesus, they learned to heal the sick. They learned to preach the gospel. They learned to cast out demons. They learned to raise the dead. These are things that the scripture actually calls ordinary acts of faith. A show of hands, who here has recently raised someone from the dead? None of us. Who here has ever recently seen someone healed from being sick? A few of us. Okay, you're a little less ordinary. How many of you have recently preached the gospel in public? A few less. 
So these ordinary acts of faith are part of the call of Jesus. Preaching the gospel, casting out demons, raising the dead, healing the sick. And it doesn't require a degree. It requires following the rabbi Jesus. See, by following Jesus, those disciples rejected by society are chosen by God to spread the gospel to every end of the earth, and they have done it effectively. So, but Jesus is like, hey, guys, come follow me. Come follow me to your already ordinary life down the shore, the shore that you walk, oh, every day. Yeah, we're not going to the mountains. No, we're not going to a remote island. No, we're not going to a famous ministry. No, you don't get a title. No, you actually don't get a position. And no, there's not a pay raise. We're going to walk the same beach that you've walked every day of your life in your ordinary title, in your ordinary position. Yeah, this beach, yeah, this is your mission. Walk this shoreline with me. And I wonder if they were like, man, I thought it would be so much more impressive than this. I've been there. God, this is the platform? Really? 20 years of ministry, so much study, this is the call? This ordinary life? I just wonder if Jesus needed to teach them that their eternal impact starts with their ordinary life, with their ordinary people in their ordinary setting, the place he already had them. My sister told me a story of, um, I forgot to ask you if I could tell this, but I think I can. So if not, you can edit it from the podcast. Um, so Jared and Rochelle Smith and Chris and Heather Taves and their kids were at pizza recently. And it's a pizza place we go to frequently. And there's this woman that serves there. She's so kind. I love her. Um, and she's just always bubbly and kind and fun. And one day, they were having pizza there recently. And somehow, they struck up a conversation about how her day was going. And through a series of questions from Jared, which he loves to ask questions, and so it's not unlikely that she would open up to him, she kind of revealed that she was going through some hard stuff. And they, in obedience to what Jesus has called us to do to affect people in our ordinary life, were like, hey, can we pray for you? And they end up getting to pray for her, a server in a pizza place, just doing her job because they were there having an ordinary meal, and God uses them to influence her. That is what I'm talking about, using your ordinary life, your ordinary lunch hour to affect someone who is having a rough day, who the Jesus in you can change her. And you know, after they did that, she looked at my sister and she said, I have always known there was something different about you. She said, every time you come in here, I've known there was something different about you. It's because Heather is following Jesus on her shore in her ordinary life. That's because Jared and Rochelle and Chris are following Jesus on their shoreline in their ordinary life. They're not begging for more or better. If Jesus brings more, they're handling it with faithfulness, but they're staying in their lane in their ordinary life. So while my high school diploma is incredibly ordinary, a GED, who more special than any of you in the room today, I do have a few certificates. This is not out of pride. I have some certificates I want to show you because I actually want to publicly state that my mom did an incredible job of educating me in our home, and she did not leave me empty-handed. And so this is... Um, this actually represents a lot of years of, of effort right here. This is a certificate of recognition that was presented to Heidi Bennett, my maiden name, 
uh, for preparing the vital foundation of faith required for a life pleasing to the Lord and demonstrating this by completing the journal of faith. That was like years worth of work of learning this and applying it to my daily life in applicable ways. So that was the first one that I received as a high school student. The second one that I got is says is presented to Heidi Bennett for adding to faith the virtue of Christ character in the ongoing fulfillment of life purpose and demonstrating this by completing the journal of virtue, learning Christ character and how it relates to my daily life. And then this last one is presented to myself for adding to faith and virtue the knowledge of God's ways according to his word as it relates to life and demonstrating this by completing the journal of knowledge. And so while I know that means absolutely nothing to you, it means a lot to me because I know what went in it. I know how many hours I had to spend in this, getting it from head knowledge to heart knowledge and helping it transform my life in order to earn these degrees that the world says is actually worthless. But I know my God says, hey, this is what I value. This does not matter because this does matter. So these are the certificates that credential my ordinary life being used to affect people in their ordinary life. The years that I would have gone to college and spent a lot of money to go, um, my parents were right. I got to travel the world, and I got to be in Europe and a few other countries that I currently cannot remember. Um, but all over the United States, and I got to preach the gospel in public schools, in homes, in classrooms, in uh, conferences, to children. And I preached the gospel, and I traveled for 90 weeks, not consecutively. My home was my, home was my base, but it was incredible. And so, see, the world says, Heidi, your accomplishments are reduced to a GED, but I have given you these extraordinary opportunities to affect change. And see, this is why I feel like the disciples, because I feel like society would have gone, oh, yeah, Heidi was homeschooled and didn't go to college. Don't even consider her for the job. Don't consider her for the promotion. But Jesus comes walking along my shore, and he goes, hey, Heidi, follow me on this ordinary journey of this ordinary shoreline. No flashy hype going away to college, just the simple, ordinary life that I've already called you to live. So please hear me, people, students, parents. I'm not saying you shouldn't go to college at all. I think college is incredible. I've got a little brother in law school right now. I've got brothers who are authors, who are successful businessmen. I've got so many siblings that have gone to college and they love Jesus. It can be done. This is not what I'm saying. My point is that no matter how ordinary your life is, God is going to use it to impact others, but you have to allow him to. See, Chris preached so beautifully, and he talked about God's desire to partner with us, but God does not force that partnership. Jesus did not force James and John to follow him that day. He's not going to force it. He gives us that free will. See, many people are like, God, I just want to do something big for you, and that's awesome. And sometimes your name is going to be, become famous if you can give him maximum glory by your name being famous. I think that's incredible. But so often, 
people say things like, God, I want to do something big for you. And it usually means, God, I want a title and I want notoriety and I want influence. I want swipe up status, God. And God replies, okay, great. Your title is mom. Your followers are going to be so committed to you that they will follow you to the bathroom. And they are going to give you notoriety day and night. Mom, mommy, mama, mom, can I have a sippy? Mom, can I have a snack? Mom, can I watch a show? Mom, you want to play with me? Mom, mom. You will get so much notoriety. You are going to feel like a rock star in your ordinary life of raising your kids. And I know that's funny and it's a laugh, but you guys, as a kids pastor, as a leader of people now, uh, having worked with so many women, do you know it's the number one complaint I hear out of women? I just feel unfulfilled in being a mom. I don't have a title and I'm not doing anything to affect the kingdom. It's just so ordinary. Yeah, I get it. It is. It's funny, you actually reap wipe-up status, wiping all them poopy butts. (laughs) And not very many people celebrate that. Not very many people are like, hey, have you reached wipe-up status? I have. I have three kids. I have wiped a ton of butt. But parents, here's the thing. If we're going to positively and effectively influence our kids in our ordinary life, we have got to get our eyes on Jesus in our ordinary life, okay? We have got to get our ears on Jesus in our ordinary life. We have got to get our emotions that so often run crazy out of check. We've got to get those in our ordinary life on to Jesus, We have got to get our will on Jesus in order for us to effectively influence the ordinary life that he has called us to of raising our kids. And this is not just for parents. Maybe you're a CEO and you have got all manner of crazy exploding in your office. Get your eyes on Jesus. Take every problem to him. Write them down and then vent them to him. Let him be your offload and then walk your shoreline with excellence, with your eyes on Jesus. See, Zebedee was living out his really ordinary life when Jesus called his sons. So your ordinary life might be all about positioning your kids to receive the call of Jesus for their life. See, if Zebedee had been chasing status and notoriety and fame, like, I need a title. I need to start hanging out with the rabbis. I don't think the rabbis even know my name. I need new clothes so I smell better like the rabbis. I just desire to be someone in culture. I don't want to sell fish anymore. He would have failed to position his boys to be seen by Jesus that day on the shore. And then his boys become the world's greatest influencers. Who would have thought? These ordinary boys raised by an ordinary man. Your ordinary life is the only thing that Jesus is going to hold you accountable for on your judgment day. And in that moment, my GED compared to your PhD or your doctorate or your your master's degree is not going to matter anymore. Because he's going to be looking at our heart condition. He's going to be looking at the humility before him. God is going to be asking Hey, did you walk your shore 
so that I can say, well done, faithful servant. Well done. We have to set our path on him. And for me, with a lack of worldly accomplishments and worldly recognition and worldly accreditation, it's made me fully aware of God's anointing in my life. Because when many could say, she can't, God says, no, she is called. She is anointed. She is all that I need for all that I want to do through her. And guys, this is never about our names. This is never about a church name. This is always about the name of Jesus. And so while some of us, I think, are a little busy trying to build our brand or our career or our success, Jesus just goes, hey, are you still following me? Are you still content where I've placed you? Because I think until we find contentment in our ordinary, he's not going to open the next door. This is not how he works. Okay, we're going to wrap up here, but we're going to flip to Matthew 6 in verse 9. This is all about um, success in the eyes of Jesus, in the eyes of the Father God. Jesus prays this, our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come and may your will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. I think that's such an incredible statement, on earth as it is done in heaven. This is so powerful because it's showing us that God is partnering with humans on earth still today. It didn't end with Adam and Eve. It is continuing on throughout scripture, throughout today, and he's wanting to choose you to partner with in order to influence change, to become an influencer of the gospel. And the crazy thing is, you don't need all of this. You don't need all of this. And you don't even need this. All you need is this, the Bible and the Holy Spirit, because he speaks to you and he leads you and he is so faithful. And the minute the enemy shows up and tries to distract you or tell you lies, which he will, here's one of the creative lies he tells me all the time. Hey, Heidi, you know that you're not qualified to homeschool your kids? He's real creative. Because you were homeschooled, Heidi, so you're not qualified to homeschool your kids. And you know what? Instead of curling up in the fetal position and rocking my GED, I say, Satan, you are such a stupid liar. Do you have any idea of how God has credentialed me? Do you have any idea of the weight that came with my education? Do you have any idea that I am a royal daughter of the king? And therefore, when he kicked you out, Satan, and he called me to my shoreline, oh, I am accredited, and I am worthy, and I do have the ability to home educate my children. Sometimes you just got to speak to the enemy as he's lying to you. Say, Satan, get behind me. Rochelle and I just talked about this. Satan, here's vulnerability good friend of mine. I guess I can't come too close to you. Rochelle's a good friend of mine. She and I did not want to come to church today because we're both weary and we both had some crazy things going on in our lives. And she was called to lead. She's called to her shoreline to lead worship today. And I'm called to preach and I'm called to my shoreline to preach today, even through the exhaustion, even through the crazy, because we go, Jesus, I know you're going to be faithful. And so sometimes, church, just remind the enemy, enemy, you're kicked out. I'm up. Get out of my face. Speak it to him out loud. 
Your ordinary life is the tool God is partnering with to have his will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. And this is done in practical, practical ways. Recently, my son and I walked into Starbucks, and there's this barista there who we love. We've known him for a long time. He's known my kids. He's watched them grow up. And Crosley and I were on the way to a medical appointment, and it was, um, it was a difficult day. And Crosley was in a lot of pain. And this man who we know said, Crosley, what's wrong? He could tell in his eyes that something was wrong. And we had this dialogue about what was going on. And then he opened up to us. We said his name. We said, how are you? And he said, you know, I'm not great. He said, I just got some news about my life that's really kind of rocked my world. And he begins to open up his heart and tell us this portion of his life story, this barista behind the Starbucks bar. And Crosley and I got to just pull him aside. And for 10 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, we just prayed over him. We paid peace and resolve in the situation. We prayed the Holy Spirit anointing to be over him, to remind him of who he is in Jesus. And he put his hand on my son's head, and he agreed with us in prayer over Crosley on that day. And that's what I'm talking about. Guys, it's not flashy. It's not super difficult. It's just you living out your faith and your Jesus in front of people that you interact with every single day in your workplace, with your coworkers, in your school on your campus, in your home, with your husband, with your kids, while you're waiting for your husband to show up, and you've been waiting and waiting, you go, Jesus, this is the shore I'm walking, and I'm going to do it faithfully. On your sports team, you can be Jesus to the parents on the sidelines. It is not difficult. It is almost always in the middle of your ordinary. Steve, in the middle of your ordinary life. That's where Jesus is going to use you. Kate, in the middle of your ordinary life, that's where Jesus is going to use you. Lynn, in the middle of your very ordinary life, that's where Jesus is going to use you. That's where you start to see, Jesus, this is you. This is not me. Brett, in the middle of your work day, in the middle of your work crew, that's where Jesus is going to use you. Emmy, on your college campus, do you know that you have a mentor who didn't go to college? How do you like me now, girl? That's where Jesus is going to use you guys, in the middle of your ordinary, walking your shoreline faithfully. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we just desperately want to see our ordinary lives as a valuable tool that you use to affect change. God, we want to make sure that we are out of the way so that you can have all of the glory, Jesus. God, I pray for every heart here right now who's kind of processing probably the ordinary in their life. Some of them are feeling super accomplished compared to me, and others are maybe feeling every bit as ordinary as me. But Jesus, we know that you have partnered with humans from the very birthplace of creating Eve with Adam. You partnered with a human to accomplish your will. And so, God, we just we want to set this foundation here today that we want to be the people you partner with. We are willing and we are ready and we have got our eyes on you and our ears on you. So God, will you open every heart and every spirit right now to what you want to do through them? 
God, that they wouldn't feel less, that they wouldn't feel like, well, I'm not on church leadership, or I don't have a title, or I don't feel like I have a great purpose. God, would you begin to reveal to them the purpose that you have them in right now in this season? Whatever that is, God. I can't tell them, but you can, Lord. So we just pray for a supernatural anointing to fall over these people. God, that we would go about our ordinary lives, our Monday through Friday in our workplace or our school place or our home, and we would affect people's lives for eternity. And God, that we wouldn't just live for the weekends, for the joy of what comes on the weekends, but God, we would see our Mondays and our Tuesdays and our Wednesdays and our Thursdays and our Fridays as these incredible tools that you are using to change this culture right here in Peoria, Illinois for the glory of Jesus. Father, I just pray a confidence over everyone in this room. God, maybe they feel like, oh, I don't really know the Bible well enough to preach it or to share it. God, would you just recall one truth to their mind that they can share with someone in their ordinary life? Would you draw them into your word, like as if it is a magnet that they cannot resist so that their lives can be transformed? Jesus, we love you. And we ask that you would accomplish through us everything that you have desired and that your will would be done. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.